This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. It is Spooko canon. And just before we get to Spooko canon, Spooko, the podcast where we talk about horror films. I was much too scared to watch horror films back in the past. I'm marginally less scared, but like they're still not a big part of my movie watching diet. Uh, that could also be because just I don't like watching movies, but we'll get to that. That's probably a different problem for a different day. Jack, the problem I'd like to address today um, arises from uh, a sort of course of conduct that you and I in our now sort of 25-year friendship have adopted over time is that we only really hash out beef uh, on air. Right, we only really air our dirty laundry on Spooko or on radio or on Fussy Eater or whatever ah, it is. Fuck. Okay, and I'm afraid I've got okay, some. Okay, shit. Okay, yep. Let's go. It's the start of a new year, Shag. We've got to clean out our closet, <laughs> and um, I did record a solo joint, a solo Peach uh, Spooko episode, and I recorded it at around like, and I'm not going to reveal your personal details, but I might have mentioned your birthday at the time, and you're obviously <laughs> aware of, of when that is, and. I feel like I have such a fragile personality that in our friendship, the only feedback I ever hear from you is universally positive. So, if you've ever got <laughs> feedback from me, you're always like, Peach, you've done it again in relation to whatever it might be. And there's just been a sort of echoing, profound silence about the solo Peach joint of The Shining. And I was really quite proud. I was running like parallel Shinings of what would have been if it was Stephen King's Shining versus fuck, fuck with director whose name escapes me just for the moment, Shining. And I thought it was a pretty good episode. But, Shane, uh, uh, do you think yeah. solo Peach joints aren't very good? And is now the time to really hash this out? <laughs> no, Peach. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for mm. the moment to tell you this. It feels like good news is coming. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's probably as good a time as any. So... We've had that in the bag for a while as a like, just mm. in case, you know, and, you know, we're both in holiday mode. Mm. Summer in Australia means kids are off school for like six, seven weeks. It's a, mm. it's a tough time for two very busy dads to be recording a podcast that we toxically refuse to not, <laughs> not release an episode every week. Yeah. Like we could have taken a month off at some stage yeah. really without as well, without having to pre-record a thousand just to be like, hey, dudes, is it okay if we have a month off? <laughs> but now we've gone too far. It's too far. It'd be yeah. weird if yeah, we right. took a week off. Yeah, it would be It would be bad. I think something bad might happen. So I've had that in the bank for a while. And mm. there was a week when I was like sick. I'm going to use Peach's solo joint. And- Okay, I'm just I'm just going to tell you. Yes. You somehow recorded it with so much reverb. I'm going to play you a little snippet of it here. Oh, that I no. couldn't fix it. Like I couldn't fi- I was like this sounds awesome, but it's like it sounds like you're speaking in a in, in like Westminster Abbey. Oh no. And someone with a phone is recording you. Before leaving for break, the head chef Dick Howard says to Danny Hey, I've got a shining too. 
Um, and if you need help, just shine me out, Danny. Use your uh, telepathic shining and I'll come so, and then I tried all the de-reverb tricks and they just didn't work. So, it's, it's, it's a lost Spooko episode that will oh. never see the light of day. Not okay. for quality, but for just the, the universe deciding it wasn't time for a Pete Solo joint. Well, Shaq, that sounds like a get-out-of-jail-free card for you n- not, not, not sharing the episode <laughs> but also not having to give me negative feedback ever. So, it's nice. Pete, were you it's prepared not- for negative feedback? Oh, probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably only in the context of like, Peach, it was too good and it outshine all the episodes we do together. And so I just couldn't really, I couldn't really fit it into the broader Spooko architecture. That's kind of the, the degree of negative I was ready for. But not last week, obviously, because last week we did a little preview of the Nightmare Method, which is just oh, bubbling away. So in the good. Follow it on Instagram. Shall oh, yes, please. Can I seek some feedback from you? And I am ready for this to be negative. <laughs> um, I panicked with the naming. Like, so whatever the difference is, the name of an Instagram account versus the actual location. So the location's brilliant. I think it's like nightmare, like the underscore nightmare underscore method or something. And the social media marketing advice I got in my parallel guise as a lawyer um, several months ago was, hey, on Instagram, don't forget you can rename your stuff. And so I was like, this is a time for to do a bit of branding. And, I, and so now it's called like Peach and Shags, The Nightmare Method with no possessive apostrophe. And it's really, really long. Um, and so I can't fit it in my coffee in a case note bio to be like, hey, come and follow <laughs> Peach and Shags, The Nightmare Method. I don't think we can fit it in the Spooko bio. Um, you can hear this cricket going on in the other room. That was Golden Child yelling out, wicket, wicket. So it's, it's, all, it's all happening here. So, Shaq, I'm actually open to some fairly constructive feedback on the Nightmare Method's social presence, and I'm genuinely prepared for it to be only okay. So my feedback is that, yes, mm. you can change the name anytime you want. <laughs> that's, my main, that's my main bit of mm. feedback. But also, like, I, you know, one of the reasons why we put it up is because mm. – it, it's kind of fun to – I think what we've realized with Spooko is it's it's very ramshackle. Obviously, the first 10 episodes are both perfect and mm. almost unlistenable. Mm. And we kind of like a degree of just showing our, showing our working. So, yes. we've put up this Nightmare Method Insta presence because it's like we're kind of making it as we go. Yes. I'm, I'm still editing it. The reason why I put out 15 minutes – Last week is because that whole first episode hasn't finished editing, and I want to add some other stuff and do some. Do you want to call it like season zero or something, or like the prequel season or something like that? Almost to incorporate it in this being, or like the draft, the first draft, or the first cut, or something like like that. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I guess, I guess, kind of that's where we're at. So, I guess my feedback, Peach, is now's the time to just fuck Mm. around and try a bunch of stuff. So, if that name is now too long to fit in your bio, cool. Like you already have the feedback, so. Change that. Like, I kind of trust your social instincts more than I trust mine. Oh, yes. Okay. So, I'm off the leash. You Finally. are. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Watch out. <laughs> Speaking of off the leash, and I want, we will go yes. fully into detail of the awesome mm. sort of call out we had for like Spooko, I guess, feedback. Oh, yes. Year. One of them was. Oh, so much nice But feedback. one of them was, we want more beef from Peach. But specifically, someone asked for beef with the state of Florida. So, if you want to just, like, have that in the back of your head for a future episode. Can I? Look, yeah, you, you just talk for 15 <laughs> seconds. Like, what I'm, what I'm planning to Google is the tax regime in Florida, which I think is very poor. <laughs> Florida. 
taxation, <laughs> regime, and rates. I think it like incentive. Florida does not have a state individual income tax. <laughs> oh my god, Florida, you fucking pigs! Florida does does not have a state individual income tax. I thought this might be it. Florida. So my source here is taxfoundation.org, which, which I don't know looks. Uh, legitimate. Florida has a 5.50% corporate income tax. So in Australia, that's like 26%. And Australia is sort of moderate slash low. So to have a 5.5% is your like approaching fucking idiot <laughs> island kind of territory. Um, Florida has a 6% sales tax rate. Fine. That's, that's equivalent to our 10% GST. And a max local sales tax rate of 2%. I don't know what that means. Average combined local tax rate. What is the tax rate of the state? How much is that? Okay, well, this seems a little bit different. If we head now to talent.com, which says how much would $100,000 in income be taxed? And it seems it would be taxed at a rate of about 22%. Look, um, Florida is one of the many states <laughs> in America that fails to have what we like to call a progressive tax system. And a progressive tax system is one that sort of says that as you increase your wealth and income, so should you be taxed more. And so it appears to me that Florida has flat tax rates and as well as flat tax rates, very low corporate tax rates. So, Shag, let's say I'm an employed person in Florida making $40,000 per year working extremely hard at my small small business or my small retailer and I'm taxed at, it would appear to be a rate of 22% on that income. Let's say you are a billionaire. Let's, let's say you're a multi. Let's say you're an extremely well-paid um, employee who earns one million dollars per year, but only three hundred thousand dollars of that is taxed at twenty-two percent as an employee, and seven hundred thousand dollars of that might be grant the granting of options um, or or stocks, you know, ownership stakes in the firm or the company that employs you. Um, if that were to be so, then the taxation rate depending on how you structure your affairs, applied to that other 700 grand may well be that corporate rate of five and a half or 6%. Essentially, it incentivizes the hoarding of assets and wealth in the hands of the few and it disincentivizes um, the uh, efforts and labor that ought to be applied by the working class. It's very much a 1% style tax regime and it's the sort of tax regime that would be adopted by a shitty state like shitty old Florida. Man, Peach, like number one, Eat the yeah, rich. number one, you'll move Florida. But number two, Peach, as always, <laughs> you surprise me, whatever the extreme version of pleasantly is, with your ability to construct a beef out of almost nothing. <laughs> I, I literally was like, here's a state, someone wants a beef with this, and you. Pretty coherent. Now I hate. Now I'm like fuck Florida. Well, like, do you remember as a teenager where your only move to appear, well, my sole move to appear as a knowledgeable music person when someone raised a band you didn't know about was like, oh, they're shit. <laughs> I remember when someone was like, hey, what do you think of Oz Ozzo Matley? And I'm like, mm, they're fucking girl. <laughs> Especially if you like them <laughs> and you're dumb to like them. <laughs> and so, because like negative can be just such a broad brushstroke, just be like, yeah, they're shit. Um, then it sort of gives you an unearned sense of authority in any discussion. Uh, so I'm happy to have an unearned sense of authority in relation to Florida, my least favorite state. <laughs> All right. I mean- After Delaware. Delaware, let's <laughs> So, So, Peach, uh, what you just did there 
is just a great example of how mm. enjoyable it is making stuff with you. You really just come to the table with your full self and your full self is entirely delightful. And mm. I think I'm being very complimentary because a couple of weeks ago, you almost spoiled Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow for oh, me on the pod, yes. even though I hadn't read it. In, in, yes. the, in the time since I've read the book, in the time since yes. I've read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and I think the thing that struck yes. me more than anything is it kind of describes the sort of creative relationship we have, which is yes. which 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 I'd like to say How weird was reading it. Like it was exactly it, right? Like is that was that mm. how, was that your takeaway from it? Shaq, we're both wearing feel bad club t-shirts. We're both wearing feel bad club t-shirts. Oh, what is going on? <laughs> and again, I'm not going to spoil tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow mm. for you, even though it's been like I was late reading. I was insanely late reading it. Even yeah, yeah, Amazon yeah. a year ago was like, <laughs> you should read this book. So yeah. look, I was, I, I accept I was late, but still, I don't want to mm. spoil it for people. But one of the things it does talk about is a creative yes. relationship be- between two people and how important of like a kind of a, a kind of love a kind of friendship that is yes. that doesn't get talked about enough and it kind of put a few things into perspective kind of you know the way you talked about like why we don't want to monetize this podcast why it mm. kind of doesn't matter like why you know we do check the metrics and we're excited when we get lots of you know like more followers yeah, we, and we, we like numbers but we're not obsessed yeah with them, I guess. because at the Probably. end of the day making this podcast together is fun yes that should be i, I could weep shag that's so that's so right <laughs> Isn't it? it's like, so right? true right yes and you know what it it made me think of it made me think of an aspect of the film we're doing today. So yes. I, I'm in full holodad mode. I'm four hours south of Sydney, staying by the beach, having a great time. We went to a local market on Saturday. Magic. And there was like a secondhand stall and they had six DVDs for $5. Yes. And I was like, well, if, I mean, like, how could, how could I not, right? And the best thing was- You'd be, I, You would have failed if you'd failed. <laughs> if you failed to do that, it would have been a failure of holiday. So, I found a whole bunch of, you know, there, there, was, a, there was a Ben 10 DVD for Golden Child who's going through a bit of a Ben 10 phase. There was- uh, That sounds sick. What's- Oh, is that the Alien? The Alien watch. So, uh, so, Golden Child was very excited about asking Santa for things this Christmas and only asked for two yes. things, a beach ball and a Ben 10 watch. And yes. so we procured both of those things, amongst other things. Santa did. Santa. Yes. Santa so, sorry, fuck, fuck. Oh no, I'm like we're in full. Like we get asked a lot by the Golden Children, and we're like, I'm like, hey, look, I've heard some people say they don't believe in Santa, and that's fine. Um, I do, and so like you guys do, you form your own view, and you just observe the evidence. And like I don't know who else put the fucking glitter coming out of the <laughs> fireplace that led to your presence. Like I don't know, I don't know who else wrote in the, like the flowery script in response to your letter. Like you fucking like you tell me whether Santa's real. Yeah, and well, well, on Christmas morning, Golden Child Santa brought them. Yes, Golden yes. Child finds these presents from Santa, including the Ben Ten watch, yes. and immediately is like, "Why isn't this turning me into an alien?" And we were like, oh, like, oh. <laughs> like, like maybe it needs to reach out. Or maybe we just pretend to turn into aliens. No, no, no. It's a Ben 10 watch. I want to turn into an alien. <laughs> and it's, it's an ongoing thing. Like, you know, we're now a few weeks after Christmas and it's still a problem in the house. So, so is the broken watch, fix the broken watch? Turn me into an <laughs> my, oh, my usual thing for most things, like if we pass one of those claw machines, I'm usually like, oh, it's recharging. We can't. 
We have to wait till it recharges. <laughs> that one's broken. So, I'm so, sorry. so we're still waiting for the Ben 10 watch to recharge. But anyway, so I'm at this market. I buy a bunch of DVDs and I was hoping to find a horror film. And horror yes. obviously is in vogue now, but yes. wasn't in vogue for the time it would have taken for people to amass DVD collections, then give them to Goodwill and then for them to find themselves in secondhand market stalls. So in 10 years, yes. if DVD market stalls still exist, it'll probably be easier to find horror DVDs. But Surely they won't. Like how would you, how would you play a DVD? How did you play a DVD? Have you got a gaming console? This is maybe? tricky. This is actually really tricky. Yeah, but okay. Gen Z's going through a... Ma- like because you all generate... Like there's a thing in marketing where everyone's being like Gen Z yearn for a time of like physical, you know, media and things that exist. No, uh, like, yep, they watch Stranger Things and, and decided Amblin was cool. Well, yeah, well okay. no, they, they like CDs and they like DVDs and things like that. And, you know, mm. like marketers like to read into that, but it's like kids always like retro shit. Kids always like stuff that was old. People liked vinyl, now they like CD. Like it's it's... Like people liked VHS, people liked cassettes. It just makes sense. And you're also marketing to their parents. Like Golden <laughs> Child, eldest Golden Child has a CD player in their room and they found an old Peach mixtape, the old Peach mixtape that you played oh, sick. Um, the other week. And it's like, Dad, how did you like, look, the raps are fine, but like how did you get all these musicians to play all these amazing songs <laughs> underneath? And I'm like, oh, they're actually, they're actually songs Shag found for me, for me to rap on. It's like, great. <laughs> like they're the really interesting bits but but yeah it's like the old media of like oh fuck the super nintendo it sort of works a bit like the switch but there's all these cords and stuff dangling off it this is sick like what's going on here? well well okay so i i dug through this box and i found one mm. film that you could classify as horror i'd never heard yes. of it before but i got really excited when i turned on over the back and the main quote from Larry Carroll at MTV News which i like yes, i don't Lazakaza <laughs> said it's psycho meets saw, you'll be squirming in your seat. And I was like, sick. Okay. Now, spoiler, it's absolutely not that. But, but, <laughs> but the cool thing about horror as a genre is mm. in most other genres, if you haven't heard of the film and it looks shit, it probably, it almost definitely will be. Like, it's, mm. it's hard to find a rough gem, but horror is still the sort of genre where you can find something that you haven't really heard of, that no one's really talked about, that's actually amazing. So, I guess, Pete, let's see if today's film yes. that was originally rented from the Calwell Shopping Centre Network video <laughs> that was later sold at a market for, a, for a, well, no, wait, for less than a dollar. Yes. Well, I'm not going to do the math, but... Yeah, it's difficult, actually, isn't it, for like 85 cents or something. Let's, let's do today. Today, Pete, we're doing the 2007 slasher thriller... Vacancy. Someone yelled wicked from the other room. For our American listeners, that's when someone's out. And it sort of happens six or seven times, or maybe slightly more per day, in like a seven hour day of sport. So it's a bit of an event. Oh, God, is this a snuff film film, Shag? It is a snuff film film. And, and, fun fact do you remember, uh, oh, you know what? You watch the trailer. I'll, we'll, we'll chat about yeah. this. Happy folks. Do you know a garage? Not this late. Meanwhile, I'm wide open here. I'm sleeping in my clothes. I'm gonna sleep in my shoes. Never should have gotten off the interstate. This looks like a real library of classics. Can you turn that off? David? 
episode but there's like a genre conversation to be had about like what constitutes horror and what doesn't so i super get it where you were like yeah it looks sort of horror-y but maybe it's not that horror-y i certainly got zero torture porn cues from the trailer yeah it's it, it's not it's it's horror adjacent thriller. it looks like a thriller yeah, yeah it's a thriller look i'm staying in a holiday house with my mother-in-law my partner and my two golden children. It's been tricky to watch yes. horror. This was this was a thing. <laughs> and look, this was a DVD, right? So to watch this, yes, there's two TVs in the house, one in the back, one in the front. The one in the back is too new to have RCA inputs to import yes. a DVD player. Um, amazing, yes. So awesome. basically just, just the amount of logistical things to go right, including Adele and golden children needing a nap, and yes. mother-in-law heading out. So I, so I somehow had a free TV that had the connections that would accept a DVD player. Yes. So you use that time to do work. To do That's work, a precious, of impossible time. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the Like, there's so much going in this film's favour. Like, I actually didn't hate it mm. at all. Number one, it's 82 minutes. Yes. And I think a lot of horror... To me, that's already such a good win. And I feel like it's a really clear message from the filmmakers to say, like, hey, we get it. <laughs> right? Like, there's just a real we get it energy of, like... Look, we're not here to, like, ruin your day. And even if it's a bad film, like, that's okay. Turn us off early. But, like, we're not going to be here that long. Yeah. So, give us a And I think it's, you know, it's that's the caliber of stars as well. Like, Kate Beckinsale, Luke Wilson, they're kind of like, guys, you're happy to recognize me. I'm not. Oh, another wicked in the background. (laughs) I just heard from the other. (laughs) But, like, Luke Wilson is the, like, very nice boyfriend of Cameron Diaz in Charlie's Angels. It's pretty much for me, like, that's. (laughs) That's what he is. He's like always like, oh, yeah, cool. I love Charlie's Angels. This is pretty fun. And I couldn't tell you any other role he's ever played. Well, I mean, he's Owen Wilson's brother, which is probably pretty tough. Oh, in the Royal Tenenbaums. Well, no, no, uh, in real life. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. But, but look, it's actually quite an enjoyable film. And I've got a few questions that, you know, I'm going to mm. be talking to you about during this film, specifically because you've just started a business and a big part of this film is a business that's being run that I'm curious about Mm. what their long-term plans are for it. But anyway, let's... I'm now eight weeks into running a business (laughs) and I'm an old white man, so I consider myself an expert. So I'm very happy to... Very happy to shoot from there. All right, so this is this is Vacancy from 2007, directed by great name Nimrod Antal, a Hungarian director. Magic. Okay, so on their way home from a family party, David and Amy Fox, so Kate Beckinsale and Luke Wilson are the main character. Mm-hmm. They're a couple who I think it's revealed later on. It's, it's, it has no purpose for the plot. And yep. they spend a lot of time setting this up. I don't know if there's a director's cut where this- Or like a red herring sort of thing. Where this yeah, plays yeah. into it more, but they've just lost a child, a son, oh. and- it, it seems to be something to do with she left a gate open and he fell down the stairs. Which, it, but it's pretty clear that this death has like caused a rift between them. No way. So, 
they are they're going home from this family gathering and honestly this scene like they they probably spent 15 minutes in the car it's weird how much set up this i remember watching this being like this film has 80 minutes to go why are we spending so much time here there's there's <laughs> fights like she's taking antidepressants and also like sleeping pills uh, so I presume very sensitively treated that issue. Yeah, he is driving them. They've been there's been some problem on the interstate, so they're going down the back roads. They're very much lost. So they stop at an old repair garage after their car starts making a noise, and it's it's late at night. It's you know like th- there aren't many streetlights, so you know it's pitch black. Mm. A mechanic apparently fixes the car, but also says he's about to leave. So. If anything else goes wrong, like, I can't really help you, but it's basically like it should be fine now. Um, something to do with a bent. Like, I don't like, I don't understand cars. He's like one. Got of, a bent fender. Got a radiator. No, a bent, radiator no, a bent fan. Like, the fan is bent. And so oh, okay. it'll make noise, but it should be okay if they could make it to another mechanic. Anyway, soon after leaving, their car breaks down. When they find there is no cell phone reception, they walk back to the garage only to find it has already closed. This is where it gets weird, right, as well, because they're, they're then like there's like a motel down the road. They're like the motel owner will know the mechanic who lives there and they'll be able to tell us where he is right now. And it's like, well, no, he's yeah, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm trying to follow. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Okay. It's weird, but that, that the logic. that's their logic. Mm. Their logic first is not to go and stay at the motel. Their logic is to go and ask the motel owner about the mechanic, where he's gone and whether he can come back and fix their car. Yeah, hey, can you do some stuff that will, like, reduce the chance of you getting our business? (laughs) Anyway, okay, so they walk to the hotel to seek help, but when they arrive at the reception office, there's no one there and they can hear the loud screaming of a woman. Now, she's a bit freaked out. He's like, I'm going to ring the bell. She's like, do not fucking ring the bell. He's like, I've got to find out what's going on. Rings the bell and... Out comes Mason, the hotel owner. Just a normal, so he's super normal. He dude, looks yeah. like, he actually looks like, you know how there's like, God, like I'm so, like I'm already so over generative AI, but you know how, how there's that trend of turning cartoons into like real life characters and how AI makes it super easy to turn like family yeah, guy, what family guy would look like dark. in real yeah. life. So he looks like what an AI thinks Ned Flanders would look like in Flanders, real life. Flanders, yeah. That's exactly Shag. what he looks I'm like. I'm so pleased. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Nice. So he comes out and they're still screaming. And so Luke Wilson's character, David, is like, is, there, is everything okay back there? And Mason looks a bit surprised and he's like, oh, sorry, it gets a bit boring here. I'm just watching some movies back there. He goes back into his office, screaming stops, comes back out. He explains the auto repair garage across the street is closed until morning so they can stay there or they can just wait in their car. So they decide to book a room for the night. While getting ready for bed, David and Amy yes. are alarmed by a loud banging on their door. Now, this is this is really there's there's so many good moments in this film. It sort of falls that's, apart. Yeah, that's toward, pretty scary, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But then, so they so so they're like, "What the fuck?" And first of all, beforehand, they go into this room is disgusting in a sort of late nineties, early noughties, Nine Inch Nails film clip, sort of disgusting. Like there's those oh, big like, a like cockroach or some goo. Yeah, there's cockroaches. Yeah. Everything's sort of brown and dark green. Like it's all a bit disgusting. You know, they make some jokes about how they're going to sleep. She's like, "I'm going to sleep in my clothes." He's like, "I'm going to sleep in my shoes." But anyway, so that's not a great joke. So they hear this. So they hear this knocking on the door, and so David goes to open the door, and there's no one there. 
And like the locking, the knocking's not like a rap. It's not like a rap on the door. It's like bam, no, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, okay. So there's no one there, and he's like, okay, that's weird. Mm. And then it happens again, and he opens the door again, and there's no one there. And so it happens again, and it's when they realize now. You know how, especially in like those sort of like roadside motels, mm. rooms will often have like an adjacent door to the room next door. Yes. And they realize the banging isn't coming from the front door, but it's coming oh, from the adjacent room. That's really, that bums me out, yeah. And you know how there's usually two doors? There's one door in your room. Yeah, yeah. So, they open their door and the knocking's louder and more urgent. And they're being like, hey, what's going on? Hey, cut it out. But all they're getting is this knocking. And so, mm. they like close the door because they're freaking out, which is, I'm just like, it's just a great, it's just a great scary moment. Yeah, because it's also one of those, like, it's tough to do a victim blame in that kind of situation because- that is a like, oh, f- like, yeah, fuck, like, w- w- yeah, what do you, like, what is the right step? Do you, do you run away? Do you run towards, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Amy and David are like, we need to work out what's going on. David goes to mm. reception to tell Mason about the situation and Mason's like, that's weird. Uh, there's no one staying there at the moment, but sometimes we get, you know, drunks or kids deciding to sleep, crawling through the window and using it for the night and that's probably what's happened which mm. my alarm bells would be ringing if a hotel manager was like oh we have kids crawling in there sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but okay but <clears throat> they go back to the room and oh, so, the- so like they don't check they're like oh yeah don't worry well, about no, it. They, we they, sort check. Of, they sort of look through the window and they don't see anything also like Unsatisfyingly, I don't think they ever really reveal what that was, which is annoying. <sighs> you can kind of guess, yeah. but it's it's not perfect. But I love that moment. Anyway. I feel like we're guessing it's the same sort of torture scenario that's about to arise for our people and they were trying to escape. But like we suspect they were victims trying to escape. Yeah. I I, that's what we assume, right? Yeah, okay. So they go back to the room. They're like, we just need to sleep. We just need to get through the night. We'll wake up in the morning. It'll be fine. They They sort of buy the story that it's just teenagers having fun oh and i think mason says oh i'm gonna go check it out don't worry and i think that's what happened so mason's like don't worry i'll go check out the room it's fine you guys just go back to your room and chill and so they do as they're getting ready for bed david's like flicking through the channels and none of them are working but Mm. then he notices these vcr tapes above that don't have labels on them and he's like well i'll just watch one of these and the first one he puts on is like kind of like immediately, I guess, a death scene in a horror film in which a bunch of women are in a hotel room and they, they're sort of terrorized and knifed to death by these men in coveralls wearing masks. Yeah, okay. And I, I actually quite like how these snuff films are shot in this film in that they're always with this sort of CRT, like old school TV filter, but they're often they're often a little bit hidden by a like a you you might see somebody watching so you might see a glimpse of the screen but what you actually see in the foreground Mm. is someone's head or body watching it so you never really sit down and watch a whole snuff film you just get these elements of it which i thought were really nice and like you know a nice way to treat this until i checked the special features of this dvd which includes get this Mm. mason's video picks extended snuff films a collection of extended versions of the snuff films seen throughout the video 
Uh, which, which is uh, like, like <laughs> yeah it does kind of walk back the sort of artfulness and gentility with which it's been treated but but anyway so he, he's watching this snuff film and as he's well he thinks it's a horror film at first and then he's like again they do this quite well he notices a curtain and then a then the pattern on the bed and then a window and i think it would be a slow realization because it'd be such a weird thing to see but he'd be like mm. this film was shot in this room and then notices the different camera angles because it keeps cutting between these different camera angles and he finds these cameras around the room yeah, nice. and realizes that mason is watching them so the recording shows previous guests being assaulted by two men then murdered by them in the room they're in i'm with you which is again like great premise for a horror film right yes. because it's like as soon as they've seen these films it's like you know, as soon as they've already alerted Mason something that's going on, it's like, well, hang on. If they're watching us right now and they've just watched me watch these films, then they probably know. Well, just, it just skips to act three. Like, it's like it's really cool. But, okay, cool. All the pieces are in place. Mm. Now what do we do? Well, it skips to halfway through act two, I suppose. So David and Amy flee the room for the woods but are confronted by two men wearing masks. And the masks, the masks are really good. I haven't nice. really seen them. They're kind of like a very brutal, grey, mean-looking man's face. And both people are wearing these blue coveralls. It's quite well done. So they run back to the room and lock the door. In the bathroom, they are shocked to find a half-eaten apple Amy had left in the car. And David's like, Amy, did you bring this in? And she's like, no, because I was cutting the apple with a knife and I bled on it, so why would I bring this apple in? So... I, I guess to fuck with them, they've left this apple. I guess to psychologically yeah, nice. torture them first. They're letting them know that they've been in the room. Yeah, yeah. David runs to the motel's payphone and dials 911. But after, and first of all, the person's like, what's your emergency? Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually the person's like, you probably shouldn't be running around at night like you are. He realized it's Mason and no. is able to jump out of the phone booth just as a car crashes through it, knocking it off. I don't know how easy it is to rig up a payphone that own that. Like, do you think it, like, if you call 911 on this payphone, and it, this is 2007 mm. as well, and it's a yes. rotary phone, or at least it's one of those old school phones, that feels yes. like a pretty ingenious feat of electrical engineering. Uh, yes. Like, I, I can't imagine it's even moderately easy, but let's assume <laughs> that an expert would take five hours, six hours to do it in 2007 labour. Then would they then destroy that work like by speeding up a car on the off chance they were going to hit that phone booth that they just poured hours and hours of effort into to make a one-off kill? That's the other thing, right? And like a weird yeah. kill where it's like we've we've seen – and early in the film, like it hasn't said this, but we've seen that Mason does have access to guns. So it's like just. But it's not a tactile, knifey, tortury type kill either. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing. Anyway, so. Yeah. So David is able to jump out just as it's crashed through and runs back to the room. Moments later, so, so they're stuck in this room. Yep. Uh, they've locked the door. Moments later, David and Amy hear a truck pulling up in the parking lot. From the window, they see the driver and they're banging on the window and they're like, hey, 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 hey. And the driver's like, what the fuck? And starts coming towards them. And they're just like, yes, 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 come towards us. But obviously he can't hear them. He can only see them like banging on the window and, you know, urging them to come along. 
As he's walking towards them, we see the two men in masks slowly walk up behind the truck driver. And it's then that David and Amy uh, stop yes. going like, come here. They're like, turn, turn. They're like pointing to, because it's like, if someone couldn't hear you, but you were trying to tell somebody to turn around yep. something behind you, that's a tricky, like, I mean, how would you indicate that to somebody? I, fi- I, I think I spin it around like this. Okay, like yeah. So I've, I've got my index finger in the air and I'm sort of doing 360 Even around here. Even watching but- you do that is confusing. I'm like, what do you, I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm doing the gritted teeth emoji. I'm raising my eyebrows. I'm circling around and I'm pointing forward. Circle, 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 point, point, point. So it's not horror movie logic that the truck driver doesn't, doesn't turn around and he keeps walking towards them. Mm. Soon the masked men catch up with him, but one of them turns out to be Mason. And uh. Mason's like, hey, here's those tapes you ordered. There'll be more next month. And the truck driver's like, cool, gives one look at Amy and David, and then walks back to his truck with his box full of VHS snuff films, as we assumed. Yeah. And, and look, uh, at, yeah, you know, we'll get to that later. But anyway, so. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, that'd be the business part of the chat. Yeah, yeah. So then they're like, okay, well, what the fuck can we do? We're not, we, we need to get out of here. Mm. Every time we go out the door, like, they're clearly watching us. Then he starts watching the films again. She's like, why are you watching them? And he's like, I'm, look- I'm watching for mistakes. She's like, these guys are really sloppy. But one of the things I've noticed is they don't come through the front door. He's like, well, if they don't come through the front door, where do they come from? And he's watching this one video and he's like, it looks like they come through the bathroom. And remember, the apple was left in nice. the bathroom, right? They go yeah, into the yeah. bathroom, take up the bath mat, and they find a trap door under the bath mat. Yes. Again, this is a cool film, right? Like, there's cool yeah, 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 elements of fun. it, right? Okay. And I like Luke Wilson and Kate Beckinsale on this. I think it's more than stunt casting. Like, like I'm, I'm in it. So, they go down into these tunnels and- they're crawl space only, and there's a pretty magically dark scene in which the tunnels are essentially filled with rats, and they have to crawl through a swarm of rats to get anywhere. <sighs> and it's it's basically a like don't look down scenario, and it's just it's just really well done. It's really creepy. Really makes me feel okay about choosing this for Spooko because it's it's definitely horror adjacent, if Oof. not horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gruesome. They end up in the manager's room where they realize he has cameras filming every room, but he also has this like old school editing suite. And one of the snuff films that he's currently editing is playing on the screen right then. Amy attempts to call the police, but is interrupted by Mason. Followed by the masked men, they sneak back into the tunnel and take a different route ending up in the auto garage across from the motel. So now we realize that that guy, like we already, there are like five characters in this film. Of course, the mechanic at the start was going to be part of this, but we realize he's part of this. Meanwhile, a sheriff appears because she called 911, but then wasn't able to properly put the call through, but they traced it. A sheriff appears having responded to Amy's attempted call. Upon searching one of the rooms, he witnesses a snuff film and flees. David and Amy run to him and they all attempt to leave but find the engine wire to the police car has been cut. I think, I think that's difficult as well. Like, <laughs> or perhaps, perhaps if you've done the payphone, that's like the entry. Perhaps, but look, perhaps that's easier than the payphone actually on, on reflection. But also like did this like the engine wire, like I mean maybe there is an engine wire. Maybe that like the whole car relies on this engine wire and if someone snips it, you're fucked. Like I don't know. 
Yeah, this is where you like sabotage the hospital by turning all the electricity from on to off. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we've, we've turned it off now. So look out. All right. So when the officer gets out, he opens the car boot, finds out the engine wires cut, closes it, and that's when we see one of the masked men behind him stabs him in the back. David and Amy run into one of the other rooms. David hides Amy in the ceiling while he plans to make it to Mason's office to retrieve a revolver. So he he does this like tricky thing where he hides her in an attic, smashes one of the windows, tears a little bit of her shirt and puts it on the window to make it feel like she got out there and then tries Mm. to sneak out. But as he's leaving, the men appear and stab him and he collapses as Amy watches from from above silently. This is where it gets interesting. This whole film has happened at night so far. Yeah, okay. We then see, I guess, like a bit of a time lapse as morning rises over the hotel and Amy's just been waiting there the whole time silently. In the morning, hearing nothing, Amy comes down and leaves, finding one of the killer's cars. As she attempts to drive away, it's actually quite an amazing scene. Like, she gets in this car Mm. and in the rear view, she sees one of these men, like, running full pelt at the car. And she's like, just trying to start the car. And as the car starts, he jumps on top of the car and then, like, dives, like, head first to, like, grab her, right? Like, through the sunroof of this car. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. Causing her to basically spin around, veer into the hotel. One of the other men comes out of the room, has no time to duck away. Car smashes through the room, pins one of the men to the wall. She turns to see the man who'd come through the, like, through the room. Sunroof, yeah. Has essentially been killed. I don't know if he's been, like, torn in half, but he's got lots of blood dripping down his head, and so he's dead. Yes. And this is where the latter of which is revealed to be the mechanic who helped the couple earlier, which we already kind of nice. knew. That, you know, it completes yeah, yeah, the loop. Yeah. Anyway, Amy then runs into the reception where she knew the owner had guns from before. Mason appears. Yes. And Mason knocks her down. And this is probably the most horrific. Like, this is actually like Ad- Adele woke up at this point and came and watched the end of it. And both of us found this scene like a little bit troubling in which Ugh. he's pinned her to the ground and like, kind of starts to like strangle her she kicks him in the balls he gets really angry so again starts punching her in the face gets her to the ground finds the camera and starts filming and is like cool i'm gonna film myself killing you right now (sighs) and and it's sort of like you thought Mm. you could get away from me you can't get away from me i'm gonna fucking kill you and you go like blah 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 right which is which is like a good explanation of why he didn't kill her then and there yeah, you know, so. film-wise, but also just a very creepy mm. and disturbing, but right for the character. Because this is a mm. point where he finally breaks his facade. Because the whole time, he very much is a Ned Flanders. Even when he's talking to the trucker, he's like, here's your project, we'll have more next month. Sort of like, he's very much Ned mm. Flanders until this point, and then the mask drops. Is your business development question going to be, how does he induce more victims into the hotel? Wait, okay. Because that's something I'm having real problems with. I, anyway, I, agree. We'll that, I agree, I agree, I agree, mm. I agree. So- and, and it is going to be like that. I, I, we will get there. Yes. So, Amy fights back and manages to gain the upper hand. He pushes her out. In, like, there's, I'm, I'm not going to go into the mechanics of how a gun is on the floor, but there is a gun on the floor. He knocks mm. her down onto the floor where there's a gun. She turns around and she shoots Mason multiple times, killing him. Then, in the weirdest ending to a film where it kind of, It's almost like they just kept the cameras running. Amy returns to David, finds he's still alive. 
She goes back to reception, takes the phone cord from Mason's jacket pocket, which the phone cord before that he was trying to use to strangle her with. He was that's what he was anyway, uh, and connects it to the phone to call nine one one. She then goes back to David, comforting him, waiting for the police to arrive. So like no one comes back for the dead. It's like Mason's dead. All the other people are dead. She just finds out that David's still yeah. alive. She goes and calls the cops, and then goes back and comes, and that's the end of vacancy. Yeah, like it's very. Uh, uh- of a type American, you know, like it's it's very gentle to its audience. Like surely that's one of the two uh, versions of the film that were shown to test audiences. Like it feels very like we got our happy ending, we got our Scooby Doo ending, and we got our sad ending, or or whatever. Um, yeah, it, because horror is meant to leave you feeling horrified, right? And that leaves you feeling slightly relieved. I imagine slightly like, whew, that was pretty intense. Anyway, <laughs> the cops are coming. We, like, which is what, like, we're sort of, I mean, like, a get out is, is sort of a comparison that sort of springs to mind immediately that you do kind of leave with the like, whew, that was pretty intense. Um, which leads me back to horrors about a net injustice, mm. which certainly that is. Um, and so I think maybe it's easy for us to get hung up on that superficial analysis that says horror has to have a bad ending that makes you feel bad where in fact horror is a broad church (laughs) that can merely include happy-ish endings or optimistic endings um so long as there has been a net injustice that precedes them Uh, i think specifically for this subgenre of horror these like snuff Mm. horror films it, it kind of only works when at the end, yeah, maybe the heroes escape. Maybe they do. But what's revealed is they were only one or they're, you know, they're, the antagonist was only one small cog of a larger uh, snuff-making yeah. machine that we need to properly interrogate in later sequels. I, I guess- But that sort of reveal is always- a reveal that the film you just watched didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. Right. <laughs> like, that's the thing that frustrates me about that kind of reveal because it's like, oh, that was just a really small thing in a big thing and so it didn't really affect it. It's like, oh, great, awesome. Yeah, but I guess, I, I guess leading back to the business questions I need to ask you, if mm. it sounds like this couple, David and Amy, were like textbook victims for this, yes. for this, for this motel operation because- they arrived at the mechanic. The mechanic clearly did something to the car to make it break down. They walk back to the hotel. They stay in the hotel. And then if they can undo the entire operation pretty sloppily, then how mm. good was the business to begin with? And I guess, Peach, they're the sort of questions I want to ask you in next week's episode when we discuss the prequel to Vacancy released in 2008. <gasps> yes. The first cut. Good name. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? Spooko is the podcast for one, a horror-averse person, that's me, to cinemism, sit in a room, a virtual room, with a passionate horror fan, that's Shad. Uh, to learn about horror films and hopefully confront my horror aversion so that we all, all of us here in what we've christened the Feel Bad Club, 
can sort of march on and get a better understanding of the horror genre and potentially let the horror genre into our lives. Now,